this is the Deceptively Clever Podcast. By now, you know the drill. We're about to call John. There's going to be a historical object, two true statements, one complete lie, and probably a little bit of nonsense as well. Uh, This week, we are discussing a really big plane. Enjoy. I can't believe he's ruined my weekend. Kids might have corona and you're worried about your your pub visit. That is exactly the priorities I respect. Yeah, I'm so, like, offended. I'm sure he's fine. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, you'll be fine. And you'll never get that pub visit back. I know, yeah. Right, search engine is ready. Search engine is ready. Excellent. Yeah. I'd like you to search for Spruce Goose. Spruce, oh yeah, second option under spruce tree. Spruce, goose, we're going into images. Oh, we've got a plane. <laughs> yes, you should be this seeing is cool. it. Shall I describe it? Yeah, go ahead. So we've got what kind of looks like a really large plane, except it's got a kind of flat bottom. It looks a little bit, a little bit like a military carrier. It's got lots of propellers, eight big propellers, four on each wing. It's got some kind of legs coming off the wings, and it looks like it floats on water. That's a pretty good description, actually. Basically, the the main point you need to know is that it's an absolutely enormous plane. (laughs) A big plane. Big plane. So this is the Spruce Goose, also known as the H4 Hercules plane. And it was a prototype strategic airlift boat designed by the Hughes Aircraft Company. So this was a plane that was intended as a transport in World War II. So the main thing that you need to know about this boat is that it's not made of metal. It's made of wood. So the idea was you make giant planes capable of carrying huge heavy loads but you can't make them out of aluminium because there's an aluminium shortage because it's in the middle of the war. So what can you use? You can use wood instead. So this was their idea. Um, basically, it was designed to carry loads of like 68,000 kilograms or 150,000 um, pounds. But it was never completed during the war. It only flew in 1947 and it only flew once. It flew for a total of one minute for about 70 feet, and that was the only time it ever flew. Is that actually a flight? Like, I think it was deemed to be a flight. <laughs> oh, you, you haven't cleared the runway in that. Was that off water? Yeah, or... so it, it, it went off water, and I think... I even think that they used a ramp. <laughs> so, <laughs> basically, they got a... Uh, they got a company that usually moves houses, and they moved the whole thing to um, a pier in California, I believe, and then built built yeah. a whole hangar around it, and then flew it off a ramp, and it only went one mile. Okay, excellent. I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I count that. <laughs> yeah. but well, I'm happy to proceed under the. Under the idea that it had one flight. So, I'll, I'll, it's actually quite important that it is classed as a flight because 
and I'll tell you a bit more. So basically, okay. this was designed by the Howard Hughes, Howard Hughes and the Hughes Aircraft Company. So do you know anything about Howard Hughes? No, I've heard the name and I've heard of the company and I, I don't know anything about that person at all. So Howard Hughes is quite interesting in itself because he was a massive film producer in the 1920s in, and became this huge name in Hollywood. Yeah. And in the 1930s, in 1932 even, he started the Hughes Aircraft Company. Basically, he was just this incredibly, incredibly wealthy man. But this plane was also using government money. So to justify the government spending, they had to sort of class that as a flight to go, look, it's been a success. Because it right. because it cost $23 million at the time, but that's the equivalent is $283 million in 2016. So it's like they used all this government money as well, used some of that Hughes Aircraft Company. They kind of had to say, yeah, look, it's worked. <laughs> Otherwise, they've just like wasted yeah, all this ticked, money. We've ticked this big box on the contract that is required for us to not not owe you hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, so I'll go ahead and presume he personally did not design the plane. So it was originally the idea of Henry Kaiser, who was an industrialist at the time um, and, and yeah. worked a lot in metal. But he didn't have the expertise, so he brought it to the Hughes Aircraft Company, because they had the expertise. Gotcha. And they, they were a huge company at the time. I mean, they're as well as the yep. Spruce Goose, they've made like aerospace stuff and whatever. Um, yep. And it became a bit of a like a pet project of Howard Hughes, really. Like he became obsessed with this plane. Um, and Henry Kaiser eventually left. And I think it's because Howard Hughes was like such a perfectionist and so obsessed with it that he like, this was his basically, I'm trying to think of the word. He loved the Spruce Goose or the passion project. Passion project. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, yeah. So it wasn't like he, he phoned it in. He didn't take all the government's money and pretend to build a plane. And then all of a sudden had to make one fly. He, he wanted it to work out. Absolutely. And, and well, I've got a quote here, actually, because he was brought between, um, brought before the Senate War Investigate C Committee just to make sure that this mm. funding was being used properly. And uh, he, yep. he said, there's a quote from the hearing that says, the Hercules was a monumental undertaking. It is the largest aircraft ever built. It is over five stories tall with a wingspan longer than a football field. That's more than a city block. Now I put the sweat of my life into this thing. I have my reputation all rolled up in it and I have stated several times that if it's a failure, I'll probably leave this country and never come back. And I mean it. <laughs> so, definitely loved it. Those are fighting words. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Or, is that, or that is exactly the kind of thing you should say when you go before a Senate committee having spent millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. And this thing was like, I can't understand, it was absolutely massive. It had, uh, it is basically the same length as a Boeing 747. So that is just like a huge passenger plane nowadays. But this was a yeah. huge aircraft carrier, uh, aircraft in the 1930s, in 1940s. And it's all made of wood. So it's like incredible. Yeah. 
and without a jet engine at all. Yeah, and it had the largest wingspan of any plane until 2019 when it was beaten by the scaled composite Strato Launch, which is a, also an excellent name. So it had a wingspan of 320 feet. I mean, this is just like... It's incredible because it's just all made of wood and that's just like baffling. <laughs> yeah, I don't even understand. Like, planes now are airlocked. Um, I know there's military ones that aren't, but I don't even understand how you have a, a wooden plane. <laughs> it was... It looks like that. Anyway, yeah, it, it looks like it's made of huge sheets of metal. Yeah. By the sounds of it, it was like... Well, I mean, it was just incredibly designed. It's just that I think... It was just too big, probably. <laughs> too big and it took a little bit too long. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it wouldn't have moved that far, so it would have been a pretty easy target for uh, uh, military boats. Yeah. Or uh, land defence systems. Well, unfortunately, it was never even like used in the war because they were going to use it to because... Boats and shipping was getting ruined by U-boats, so they were going to use planes, but it, yep. it never even took off during the war. That would have been no. quite funny to see that giant wooden thing, though, <laughs> coming into land. <laughs> it must be hot. Yeah, well, it would have been quite efficient, I guess, from New York to uh, flying to Manchester or something like that. <laughs> What's on that side? Manchester yeah, yeah, you got Manchester Liverpool, yeah. Manchester, yeah. There you go. That's good. That's uh, good. At England geography there. There you go. I went to Manchester once. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm very. I'm impressed with this. I'm sad that it didn't work out. I don't. It doesn't. Just doesn't seem like it was the greatest idea. But sounds like a very proactive individual. I know. Yeah. So, would you like to hear some statements? Then? Is the company still making planes? Yeah, let's go statements. Uh, no, they. They got sold in 1985, I believe. Um, oh, okay. For they got sold to General Motors. Um, for oh, they thought they'd enter the plane game. Yeah, for 5.2 billion. Um, I think it was 1985. It might have been slightly different, so don't quote me on that. But basically, they were sold, right. and then I think their assets were sold on. So, but it was like a company for 50 years. So. Yep. Yep. All right, let's do some statements then. Number one. Number one. So it attracted many nicknames, uh, a lot by critics and journalists, such as the Flying Lumberyard. But the Spruce Goose was also a nickname for it by its critics, and Hughes absolutely hated it. Sounds plausible. Statements. Spruce Goose. <laughs> Number two. Statement two. Uh, Howard Hughes kept a crew ready for a second flight up until his death in 1976. So that's just under 30 years after its first flight. That's a long time. That's the kind of job I want. <laughs> just a low-level risk that you might actually have to do something. Statement number three. Statement number three. There was many sabotage attempts. Uh, the closest was an attempt to burn it down, rumoured to be by American Airlines. The company American Airlines? Yeah. Okay, so we've got 
many nicknames, including Flying Lumberyard and <laughs> Spruce Goose, which HH did not enjoy. Secondly, that Howard Hughes kept a crew ready until 1976 when he died. And thirdly, there were many sabotage attempts, including an attempt to burn it down from a rival airline company, American Airlines. I think you've done a good job to come up with these based on one, if you've come up with Flying Lumberyard, nice. <laughs> Two, Kept a Crew Ready is kind of obscure. It fits well into... I can almost hear your appreciation for his enthusiasm for the project. And that's that's quite consistent with it. I suppose... I feel like a sabotage attempt during wartime is a big, big move. Let's go to nicknames. What does, do you have any idea where Spruce Goose came from or what it's about, other than the fact that it's in water? Well, Spruce Goose came about because, obviously, it's just... I think it looks like a giant wooden thing flying through the air. So a bit clumsy, maybe like a goose. But I think they th Okay. Yeah. I think they thought it was made of spruce, but that was one of the reasons that it insulted Howard Hughes was that it wasn't even made of spruce wood, it was made of birch. So <laughs> it was just like it was it was factually incorrect <laughs> the nickname. And it sounds quite petty. Yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna make fun of me, at least like get the get the tree <laughs> yeah. right. And I I really like that that like uh... they just the wood was wrong, <laughs> and but he also he and that's the one that's stuck. Yeah. And I mean, it's known as the spruce goose now. I mean, like it's still in museums and still preserved very well, and everyone knows it as the spruce goose. It's just kind of funny that. Howard Hughes absolutely hated that name. Yeah, that would that would really get at you. That would. I mean, you literally called it like the Hercules, and then someone goes, "Nah, Spruce Goose." <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard of the Hercules. I've seen quite a lot of uh, military history documentaries. I think I think that's been mentioned in those, and I've never heard of Spruce Goose. I guess he would have been happy with that. Just some random guy in Australia, at least, didn't. <laughs> Didn't hear about the embarrassment. Hmm. Yeah, you. I like flying lumberyard because it's just so literal. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I love flying lumberyard, and it kind of doesn't really undermine it. Like if you could get a lumberyard to fly, that is impressive. Yeah, they just like it's just so mean because it's just all by journalists and all this stuff. And imagine you put all your like all your time and effort into this thing, and then someone just calls it a big. Big old lumber yard, you'd be fuming. But also, like, guys, we're fighting a war. We don't have any aluminium. We need to get stuff from here to there <laughs> so that our sons and daughters don't starve on the battlefield. And you guys are out here criticising <laughs> What do you want from me? Mate, I could be sitting in Cuba right now with Ernest Hemingway pretending to troll for U-boats. I'm not. I'm here building planes. <laughs> To be to be quite honest, I mean, like these these nicknames all came from its critics, and I think I'd be quite yeah. Who was a critic of it though? Like what 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 why? Well, I think, did I they, think what, what did they want the money to be spent on? I think you would be quite critical if because it wasn't like it was being flown after wartime and they're spending massive government money on basically a big wooden failure. 
Uh, so you think the criticism was sort of condensed post? Yeah. Nineteen forty-five. Because I don't, I don't yeah, think it, when he's trying to. I think the idea was was thought of in nineteen forty-three, so it didn't really have much time to be heavily involved in the war. Right. Yeah, and by the time people would have started seeing pictures in newspapers, yeah, it's it's a bit too late. But he's like, no, no, I'm building this thing. You like? Yeah, fair enough. And at that time, they would have been super worried about government spending. Yeah. Hmm. It's pretty funny though. I mean, I don't think there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. I'm not fundamentally. I guess I'm not surprised if that was a nickname that he did not enjoy at all. Yeah. Right. So he kept a crew together. What is the extended nature of this? statement so i think basically he believed that it would fly again so he kept a crew of 300 people maintaining it and making sure that it was all sorted in a climate controlled hangar so to make sure that the wood would be kept all fine ready for its second flight and these, this crew of 300 people was also sworn to complete secrecy. So it's all, all a bit interesting, <laughs> to say the least. So do you know what they... I guess it would have taken a lot of maintenance. Um, where was that? Still in California? Still in California. Basically, Howard Hughes... So it was just sat on land somewhere. Yeah, basically Howard Hughes, like... I think he just became increasingly eccentric and increasingly odd this sort of fits into that i think he like had he had some like serious health issues after like a crash or something and like chronic pain but there's all these stories and i was like (laughs) reading them for quite a while this morning all these stories about him like he would in 1958 he um went to like a film studio and went to their screening room and didn't leave the screening room for four months and just sat watching films, eating chocolate bars and chicken and only drinking milk. Like, this sort of odd behaviour and attachment to the plane seems to fit into this sort of, like, obsessive nature. Yeah, he wasn't operating on a on a plane of reality. Well, that sounds like a horrible thing to do. Spend that amount of time in a studio. No, no, thank you. Yep. And he, he was like wrote memos that he wasn't to be disturbed and spent most of the time naked, I think. So, <sighs> bit of an odd one. So, you, you peek, peek too far into your hero's lives and you never know what you're going to find out. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like... There was a kid who was like, this is my idol. I would like to be the next Howard Hughes. Oh, hang on a second. <laughs> Maybe I'll rethink that. <laughs> I was reading it and I was like, oh, this guy's like... Oh, he's done some cool stuff, and I was like, "Oh, this is, oh, it's a bit odd." It's <laughs> like, just sort of kept reading. I was like, "Okay." <laughs> see, yep. see, like, yeah, next... there's a classic. Like, there's one paragraph about that, and then they just go back to the back to the normal stuff. <laughs> there was, um, <sighs> I think, there was some control over the level to which the um, plane was maintained, though, because the crew was reduced to fifty people in the 1960s. So I think they definitely sort of right. Held on to the notion for his sake, but maybe thought we could make some economic changes here. Yeah. <laughs> Someone else got, got a hold of the first <laughs> yeah, strings. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, no, no, Howard, we're, being, we're maintaining it better than ever. Better <laughs> than ever. It, uh, it, it's flying. Yeah, we've got our 50 best men on it. Yeah, it's, it's actually flown, Howard. You missed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay, why did the sabotage attempt fail? 
Why the sabotage don't fail? So basically because there was so many... Oh wait, you've asked me why it failed. I won't tell you why it happened then. It failed, basically. A man called Daniel Cole uh, broke in and was attempting to burn it down. Basically, they'd got hold of the information that it was made of wood. Um, so he believed that he could just absolutely ruin this for his rival uh, airline company. And there's sort of, there's speculation about how close he got to burning it down because there's lots of different reports about it. Some people say that he didn't even make it inside the hangar. Some people say he made it inside the hangar. And some people say that he actually was pouring petrol on it by the time he got caught. So it's sort of, it's a bit of like a mythic story of sabotage and an attempt to ruin this exciting flight. Yeah, and if I was writing that up and it's like, well, he got to the door (laughs) and he bashed it open with a crowbar, which caused the security guards to come down and get him. I'm like, hmm. (laughs) Caught tipping four jerry cans of (laughs) gasoline. (laughs) over the wig of the plane uh, when he was seized by a security guard. Thank you very much. Uh, he himself was actually interviewed Daniel Cole and he said that he he got into the hangar and saw it, but I don't think he admitted um, pouring petrol on it. So he might have had a bit of self-preservation there as well. Yeah, hardly the time <laughs> to accentuate things, really, is it? Oh. So how did the link to American Airlines come about? So he had previously worked for them. He was not, I don't think, particularly Uh, high up. um, But I think he previously worked for them. And I I don't know, I don't know exactly the motivations behind it. (laughs) Like maybe he thought he could get back in their good books or something. But they also wonder. Yes. They also wonder if he left, but was still being paid by American Airlines to then burn it down. So they think maybe there was some dodgy dealings there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's lots of scenarios I can imagine. A board member meets him in a dark alley with a folded up bit of newspaper that yeah. looks like fish and chips, and it's actually two thousand dollars, and says, "You know." But equally, like, how about you sneak yourself down to California and set this big thing alight? It, I mean, it does sound quite impressive because, like, when all the like crew are sworn to secrecy and there's like so much security, it sounds like he did quite a good job, actually. <laughs> To be fair. Yeah. yeah. To get that far. It's the old classic, like, we don't live in the times anymore where you can get away with this kind of stuff. But if you just look like you belong somewhere, <laughs> and I've done it before in work clothes, um, the stories of people doing in Australia, that we've got a famous science communicator who dressed up like a painter and just walked into the biggest police station in Sydney with a ladder and no one stopped him. It's oh. <laughs> pretty funny. In, in the 70s. And I've, I've had that before where I was like, I know full well some someone should have really asked me what I was doing, but you know, do you th- do you think the... that's what he did then? Do you reckon he just had like a bit of a he had like a a, a big jumpsuit on, <laughs> maybe a, a flight helmet? <laughs> yeah, maybe he had the had the outfit. I reckon. Like, let's say the speculation of American Airlines is true. There would have been a very high level of planning into this scheme. I don't think there would be planning. I think they'd just like find someone who needs some money and just like set them loose, but make sure that they could just cut off any ties to them. So you just end up creating like all these people desperate to 
get the money. I think there was probably no planning. Hence why he just walked in with a can of petrol, apparently. <laughs> well, the thing that's in your favour in that case is that it failed. Like, what I would say is I would go through a lot more planning to make the incidence of success higher because you probably only get one go at burning down the passion project of an incredibly influential and powerful person. If you don't get it the first time, you probably don't get it the second time. But, yeah, the fact that he didn't get very close to it, best case scenario, he got some petrol tipped on it, which would have been put out pretty quickly. Yeah. If he had obliterated a light. Yeah, I don't, this does not sound like this was destined to succeed. Um, I wonder if there would, like, if he had succeeded, there would have been just so many conspiracy theories about, like, Howard Hughes burning it down. That would have been kind of cool. That's what, yeah, literally halfway through that sentence, that's, that was the next point. It didn't quite work out, and he feels... Yeah. He's a little bit unstable, best of, best of uh, analysis. And he feels a little bit aggrieved by it all. He's like, oh, I'm going to burn it down. I'm going to blame... AA, who's actually probably doing better as a company now, and we all kind of get to we all get to walk away from this project with our heads held high, espousing injustice, um, and that would make sense. Except then, why did they stop him? Maybe someone didn't get the mem- the memo. <laughs> yeah. Dodgy looking guy comes through in blue overalls carrying petrol and a box of matches. Let him through, <laughs> and there's this young whippersnapper security guard first day on the office. And he's like, no, stop there, sir. Can I see your identification, please? And the guy's like, um, oh, uh, is your manager here? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to speak to your manager. <laughs> yeah. No. Not today, Zanchai. Yeah. You think I was born yesterday? <laughs> Shaking the petrol and matches. I think I'm okay. <laughs> Let me through. Yeah. I'll be brief, Oh, I like it. What's amazing here is I don't think I'm going to pick the statement that a crew was kept ready in for 30 years. I don't think that's the one I'm going to pick as a lie, and I cannot believe that. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. Like, I, honestly, as, as you, you said the first one, and I'm like, yep, that's fine. Second one, I'm like, absolutely no chance. I will say this is the lie. I don't care what you come up with third, and I don't think I'm going to, I don't think I'm going to do that. So what's, what's he thinking then? It's ridiculous. So I don't think the sabotage attempt is true for, uh, I don't know about a few reasons. I, I think I think coming up with having a crew ready for 30 years was possible. I could definitely see you coming up with that, but it had quite a lot of detail about it. And I'm not sure that American Airlines needed to sabotage a wooden plane in 1947. I'm not sure the aluminium shortage really continued to the extent that they were worried about that long term. I suppose it's only rumoured that it's American Airlines. And with the kind of week that I'm having right now, I expect to get this wrong. <laughs> I expect it to be the, the nickname one. I can't pick the nickname one because I, 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 I have no feeling towards that. I didn't even know spruce was a type of timber. <laughs> I think I'm gonna to have to go three. What would you What would you have picked if someone had said these statements at you? Well, that doesn't work, does it? Because I know what's <laughs> true, what's a lie. I can usually look at mine and go, "Well, I would have said that's ridiculous." Um... Can you honestly see yourself not picking a crew of three hundred people <laughs> was kept kept around for a project yeah. that clearly did not work? 
That does sound pretty ridiculous. Can you honestly say that you would be able to say that's that is plausible? <laughs> to be fair, I'm yeah, that was that is the most ridiculous one. But I'm also terrible at working these things out, so yeah, I'd probably go for that one. Oh, we've, there's one thing we've proven that's that neither of us are too good at it. <laughs> you make it too hard, that's why. Uh, so you're locking in number three is the lie. I've got to lock in number three, but I would just like... I don't think I'm going to get angry that it's wrong because <laughs> it happens, but I would just like to say I think this is pretty cool and uh, I, I like it. Good object. <laughs> Good object. Uh, well, uh, yeah. I can reveal to you that you are correct. Well done. I am correct? Yep. Sabotage did not happen. Sabotage did not happen. I mean, I assume there was some sabotage attempts, but no one, no one named Daniel Cole tried to burn it down. <laughs> No, Daniel Cole. Oh, I didn't really... Oh, we kind of did delve into Daniel Cole's backstory, but... Uh, good name. Plausible uh, fictional villain. <laughs> Daniel Cole. I was just so happy that that a crew of 300 was kept maintaining this project for a while. But also, it sounds like the guy had some mental health issues. Which I, we I think he was just like... I genuinely just think that he was such a perfectionist and so, like... That it was so obsessed with it that he was just like, I will get this back up and running. And to not have a crew would be admitting defeat. That would be admitting that it is now a museum item yeah. rather than an active project. Yeah. And he'd just lived through an incredible period of war. I suppose he was ready for everything. Ready for anything. It is a, It is in, in a museum now somewhere, which I think would be quite a good yeah. thing to go see. Let's do a... It's, a, it's on, uh, on the list of... Podcast pilgrimage <laughs> locations. You kind of sound a little bit like an airplane enthusiast telling this. Who I did. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, if you talk to people who are really into trains and you can just kind of hear it in their voice like, oh, you, yeah. you're a bit into trains, aren't you? I think I'm just really into the Spruce Goose. Like, I think it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> Although I do wish okay. that Flying Lumberyard had really stuck. Yeah. I honestly think you could you could design a marketing campaign that promoted Flying Lumberyard. <laughs> like, imagine a huge big banner. The Flying Lumberyard. Yeah, I know. The plane that saves America. I think that's my... And there's like a, l- a lumberjack in the foreground of the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's my problem with the lie, with the truths, is that I include details that I don't think I could come up with. <laughs> Such as, like, another nickname, the Flying Lumberyard. It's all no. I was always just gonna leave the nickname one alone because, uh, yeah. Why would he not hate that? He's, it was it was a good. I guess like, it's you could have come up with it, and if you were gonna come up with it, you wouldn't just go. He hated the nickname. You know, you you chuck a little bit of seasoning, a little bit of paprika on top. Flying lumberyard. It was like a tap three times, like you had a pencil that you were flicking the, the eraser on the desk three times. Last week? No, just then. This podcast. I don't know. I can't hear it. I was listening to it and I was like, I was very close to sending a Skype text that said stop tapping that thing because I swear to God, if I have to edit that out of every single sentence, I will going to fly to Edinburgh and tap you. <laughs> but then I thought I'd best not interrupt your, your speech pattern, so I'll just tell you what I've done. <laughs> I can't hear anything. I haven't been tapping anything. I haven't got anything with me. I don't know what you've heard. 